We are learning Daf Ayin Hey. We're starting from the first wide line, about a third of the way down here. Kol Momen We've been talking about that there's a stipulation that was binding upon the woman that she's only married on condition that she doesn't have defects. And we're talking about different types of defects and what exactly uh, constitutes a mum. So the Mishnah said, wherever mum passes the Kohanim and the base of Mikdash, so then that's considered a defect here, that it violates the stipulation. So we look at there to define what a mum is. So the Gemara says, Tana hosifu but there are more. Meaning, even though there are certain types that even though they don't disqualify the Kohanim, they're still considered defects for marriage. What are they? Zaya. If there's some sort of, uh, of, 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 of perspiration where a woman is constantly sweating, sweating, can't, can't, cannot rid, rid herself of that, then that would be a mum. Shuma, a mole, vereach, a pet, or bad breath. So the idea of the rice is that even though these aren't mumen by Kohanim, a Kohen is kosher for the avoda even in such a condition, but the mumen for a woman, it would be an issue. So the Gemara says, is that really true that it doesn't disqualify a Kohen in such a case? Bahani Bukhani Lopasa, is it true that they don't disqualify, these things don't disqualify Kohanim? But Tanam, it says in the Mishnah, if we have an older animal, a sick animal, or an animal which has a bad smell coming off of it, so then it can't be used as a... Uh, as a carbon, a mum passes on a carbon, these things are considered mumen. Utanan, Mishnah then says later, mumen elu, all these mumen that passel the animal, bank wouldn't be over they disqualify even if it's only temporary. And these things also disqualify a coin from the avoda. Uh, if there's a blemish on the coin, it's no good. And if you put the two Mishnahs together, so I see that a coin who has a foul smell emanating from him, he's considered a foul moment, he can't do that avoda. So our, the Bryce was saying that the perspiration and the bad breath are, are only a, a type of mum for a woman here in the stipulation that her husband made that she doesn't have a mum. The implication was that they added it even though it's not a mum by the Kayin, but it's still a mum for the wife. But here it seems to be from the Mishnahs here and Machoros and everything that uh, it's not that way, that it's a mum as well by the Kayin. So the Gemara says, um, so essentially what we're asking is nothing that makes a difference to us. So essentially what we're asking is, uh, just is this a moon by a coin or not? Is the bad smell that's coming out from the perspiration or bad breath, does that possible a coin or not? So I'm already working in a low cash. It's not a question. Kamaze Overis, the Bryce is talking about if it's temporary. Temporary sort of perspiration, that's not a problem at all. Um Kamaze Shane Overis. The mission on Bakhars is talking about if it's if it if it's if it's longer and that and that would uh qualify the coin. So in other words, everybody has a little bit, these things that can cause temporary smells, but that's not considered even a mum over. And that's just an important hot gush in the Gemara. A mum, when it's defined as a mum, even if it's temporary, even if it's over, that could be an issue, um, even if it could be fixed. But here the Gemara is saying, that when it comes to perspiration, temporary perspiration is not even a temporary mum. It's not a mum at all. Um, whereas it's only something which is more chronic that that's considered to be the level of a mum. So, so, so when it comes to the woman, we added even... Zea Overis is also an issue that would possible in the context of marriage. Even though that doesn't talk, disqualify a coin, that's not considered a mum. Says the Gemara, a different answer of Ashiyamar. Zea Amazum Karamis. Who said the same thing? We're talking about perspiration, which is a problem for the woman, but is not a problem for the coin. And you're talking about a bad smell. Those are different things. We're, talking about, we're not talking about this, the smell of sweat or something like that. The smell of the sweat, that's something which only disqualifies a woman, which is not considered a disqualification for the coin. Whereas the Mishnah is there, we're talking about a really bad smell, and that could disqualify a Kohen as well. In the Bryce, we're talking about just perspiration, Kohenim, it's not a defect. Why? Because you can remove it with some sort of Kiwa Dechamra, some sort of wine vinegar. 
that you can bathe in it, and that will that will help keep the smell away at least while he's doing the avoda. So that's why it's not a moment. So do with bad breath. He could put some sort of pepper in his mouth, do the avoda with the pepper in his mouth, and and it would fight it would it would fight against the bad breath. It wouldn't be such a problem. For a woman, it's not possible to keep the pepper in her mouth the whole time, and therefore it's considered to be a blemish. So again, the Gemara is making a chilik here in the lamdash of because when you have a temporary moment, a moment which is temporary, Lamai is apostles by a coin. But the Gemara is saying that these types of things, by nature, when they're temporary, it's not a moment at all. You don't see up a moment at all with, the, with temporary bad breath or temporary uh, smell from sweat. That's not considered a moment at all because it's so easy to, to avoid in certain scenarios. And therefore, that's not a moment by the Kohenim as well. However, since a woman is constantly living with her, with her husband, the husband, if he says, I'm an that there's no moment, so it would include these issues as well. Okay, what was something else that we discussed? We were discussing the Shuma, the mole. The mole is something which is a mum by marriage, but it's not a mum by the Kohen. So the says, Hai Shuma Hei What's the case by this mole? If it has hair which growing out of it, it should possible even by the Kohen. If it doesn't have hair growing from it, if it's still, if it's large, it should still disqualify the Kohen. And if it's a small little mole, presumably it shouldn't disqualify any. Now, what do we, where would we get this basis for these questions? The Tanya says in Bryce, uh, here we're talking about defects of a Kayin, Shuma Sheish If there's a mole that has hair in it, Ariza moment is a defect. Aim Baseya, if it doesn't have hair, then it depends on the size. Kedola, if it's still large, Ariza moment is a defect. Kedana, if it's small, Aim moment, it's not a defect. Bezo Kedola, how do we find large? Pierce Rabbi Shuma Bengamliel, Ad up until the size of the Italian Isra is considered small. So what comes out? We see that there is a Shuma which invalidates a Kohen. Um, if it's either large at the Isser or if it has grow- hair growing out of it. And the only case where it doesn't possibly the coin is a small, hairless mole. And the Gemara assumes that if that's the only case, then presumably that shouldn't possible a woman either. Um, so we're trying to understand what's the case of the Brisa of a mole which invalidates the woman but does not validate the coin. So the Gemara answers, Really, it's a small, hairless mole, but it was right on her forehead. And since it was right on the forehead, so therefore um, it could be a mum. For her, even if it's small without hair, says the Gemara, if it's right there, visible on the forehead, Ra'av and his bias, who obviously the husband saw it, and he was okay with it. So meaning the Gemara is asking that when you, reckon, when you make a condition, a stipulation, Namanash, that she doesn't have the moment, it has to be things that maybe you don't know about, but if it's something that was clearly on her forehead, you were, you, the husband was staring at, when he was Makadish her, so then it must be that he noticed it, and he still betrothed her, and it must be that he was okay with it. So that can't be the mum which is undermining, going, which is violating the, uh, the terms of the stipulation. It was under the cap on her head. Sometimes it can be seen, sometimes it cannot. So therefore, it is on her face. So even though sometimes it's covered up by the cap, it could be considered a mum. But we're not so positive that the husband saw it and was misbiased because at times it is covered up by the cap. Says the Gemara, now we learn more. Defects here. Amar of Chisal Milsim Gabri Rabbi Shmuley heard a song from a great man, Umanu Reb Shila. He said, "Nishachah Kela Benasu Mekomat Salakas." If the dog uh, uh, bit a woman and then there was a a scar in that place, or he's a mum, becomes a defect. Amar of Chisal Kol Avu Bishar is a mum. Let's say there's a deeper voice. If she doesn't have a feminine voice, that's a defect. Shemar Kikolich Arif Amarich Nava. It seems that the sweetness of a woman's voice contributes, therefore, to her attractiveness. So if it's a, a very deep voice, then that could um, be considered a mum. Says the Gemara, Tani Rav Nasan Bira, Bein Dadi Isha Tefach. 
the, the area between the breasts of a woman is one tefach. Says the Gemara, what does that mean? He thought that it means tefach mayusa. One tefach is the way it should be. Like that's the best, the, the ideal way. No, the Bryce was talking about moment, and it's saying that such a distance is considered a defect. Just like we mentioned, the mole, perspiration, the bad breath. We're saying we're adding that um, if there is if if there is a, a large amount of space, if there is a tefach amount of space between her dadim, then that would be considered a mum actually, which would undermine the condition. Says the Kama, So how much is is ideal? In other words, we're saying that a tefach could be, could, be, could be considered a defect between her dadim. So how much is ideal? Says the Gemara, only the width of three fingers. Tanya says in the bride's room, if the large, if, if, her, if the dadin, if her breasts are much larger than anyone else, then that's considered to be a defect. Says the Gemara of a comma to what extent? Amar. If it's a tefach larger than normal situation, that would be considered a defect. The Gemara is bothered. Is there, if there, is there ever such a case? We ever see Dadim so big? It says, I saw once an Arab woman, she literally flung, um, she, she slung her breast behind her, she nursed her son that way. So clearly, there is an example of such a woman, and that would be a mum. Says the Gemara, passing from Tehillim here, Ulitzion um, Amar, and Titzion, which should be said, by Yushalayim, Ish this man, this man was born in her, he will establish her on high. So, what are we talking about? The idea is that when, when, when in the future, all the children are going to be brought back to Tzion, all the Jews, we're going to say that uh, either the ones born in Tzion should come or other people as well, more Jews should come back. So, it sounds like we're, we're emphasizing like two types of children, whether they were born in Yerushalayim or not. So, that means whether it's equal, someone who was born in Zion herself or someone who just yearned to see Zion. That's a double expression. Even if the Jew was born elsewhere, but if the Jew yearned for the return to Zion, then that will be considered uh, children. Says the Gemara, even though the Pasuk was equating those born in Zion and those born outside, one of them, someone who lives in Eretz Israel, is better than two of us inside of Babylon. So meaning, those who are born in Israel have greater spiritual capacity than those born outside. When one of us goes up there, he's actually better than two of them. So we're trying to say that in learning, the, 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 the Babylonians actually had greater skills. For example, when he was in Babylon, he wasn't able to understand what the Rabbanon was saying. There's a whole story. And Baba Basra, how Rabbi was actually expelled from the base Medrash. He asked a very technical question. It wasn't appreciated. So he wasn't able to, to adopt the Babylonian method of learning. He saw Glossom when he went up there in Eretz Yisrael. He grew so much that when he referred to us, he called us the foolish, the foolish Babylonians. So meaning to say that he, um, he grew so great in Israel, and it seems like he surpassed everybody there. It's very interesting the way that the Gemara is painting it. Rabbi Yirmiyam, was calling us Babli Tabshay. The Gemara seems to be saying the takeaway is that he grew so much in learning arts Israel, he surpassed everybody there, and, every, and, and, and therefore he grew um, beyond what was going on in Israel. So, therefore, the takeaway is that the Babylonians are stronger in learning than, uh, than the people in arts Israel. So, there's a bit of a paradox here between Abai and Rabbah. Abai seems to be saying that there's a difference in the spiritual capacity, and Rabbah is saying, in other words, with the people of Israel being greater, but Rava is emphasizing that, that, that in learning, one Babylonian can actually be equal to two Israelis. 
Okay, now we learn one of the most sugyas and shas here. Um, we've been talking about mumin and when there's a when how mumin could could undermine first of all the validity of the kedushin itself if there was a stipulation at that moment. But even if there was no stipulation at that moment, it could be a question of paying the ksuba. If there's a defect in the woman, then the husband doesn't necessarily have to pay the ksuba. So the question is, obviously, all of this is only when the mum was there at the time of the kedushin and the husband wasn't aware of it. But if there would be a mum which developed. Um, after the time of the condition, then the woman would certainly be married because at the time of the, at the marriage there was no defect and the ksuba would have to be paid. So the, we have, what about if we don't know when a mum developed and it's a doubt which arises? So that's the case here in the Mishnah. If the defects are found after the Kedushin, but while she was still living in her father's house. Remember, the way it used to work is there was Kedushin, she lived in her father's house for about a year, and then they would do an Nisuin, they would follow through at the wedding, and she'd move in with her husband. So let's say the defects are found on her after she's betrothed, but she's still living by her father. And the question is, when were these defects found? The husband's going to be claiming that the defects were there at the time of the Kedushin, and therefore he doesn't owe the Ksuba, and she and her father are going to be claiming that the moment developed only after the condition and the, the, the condition is valid and uh, she isn't entitled to the ksuba. So what's the law? If the defects were found on her while she was still by in her father's house, then the father, it's incumbent upon the father to bring the proof that the defects were there after she was, she was betrothed. And therefore, it was just that the husband's field, so to speak, uh, got messed up, meaning it's his misfortune that after the Kedushin, suddenly she got a mum. But said the mum wasn't there at the time of the Kedushin, that's why the Kedushin is valid, and he owes her the Ksuba. The point that we're saying is that it's incumbent upon the father, and if he can't produce that proof, so then the husband doesn't have to pay. The husband, the question of does he owe the money for the Ksuba at a later point, we know that the moment she has moment, but the question is, were they there at the time of the Kedushin? If they were, then the husband doesn't have to pay the Ksuba. If they were not, if they only came later, he does. So we're saying that if there's no proof, then we assume the husband is exempt. But if the father can bring proof that the, the, the woman only developed later after she was betrothed and then it was just Nistach was sedeo that the husband's field became ruined, so to speak, then he would, um, he would have to pay. But if she'd already married her fully, the husband, she already didn't sue in before the defects were detected. And again, now it's a question. You only detect them now, but when did they originate? Were they there at the time of the Kedushin and therefore the husband does not have to pay? Or did they come only after the time of the Kedushin and the husband does have to pay? Here, what do we say? If you detect them once you have already entered into the domain of the husband, the husband has to be proof. The defects were present before she was betrothed. And therefore the Mekah, the acquisition was therefore made as a total Mekah something that was just an error where he doesn't have to pay the Ksuba. These are the words of Rameir. So as Rameir is saying that there's a scenario where the father has to bring a proof. There's a scenario, it seems like, where the husband has to bring a proof. And it just it depends where the, at what point were the woman detected. And when she was by her father's house or when she was in her husband's house. We'll have to see much more about this in the Gemara because either way, depending when it's detected, but our suffix is the same. Were they there at the time of the condition or were they not? So either way, why don't we, we should be the same thing, who has to bring the proof? But why is it switched depending when it was detected? We'll see about that in the Gemara. These are all defects that are found in, a, in an unexposed part of her body. So that's why it's possible the husband was unaware of it at the time he betrothed her, and therefore it's possible he gets off the top of the base of the If there's a defect that is found on an exposed part of her body, there's no claim at all. Why? Because if it's on an exposed part of the body, so then we assume that he saw it before and he just was okay with it. 
So if it's an open point, so then um, if it's an open part of her body, then you can never claim that because of the mum you don't pay. That's the Chachamim's point, and it seems that Rameir holds no, even on an exposed part of the body, the, theoretically it could have been concealed on some level, and the husband didn't notice it. Uh, continuing the Mishnah, if there's a, a bathhouse that everybody uses in this city, then the husband cannot make a claim even about a defect that's found on a private part of the body. Surely he's going to send his female relatives to examine her in the bathhouse. So therefore, it's certainly something that he must have been reconciling himself with. He must have been okay with it. So he can only make a claim on a moment when there's no public bathhouse in the city, according to the Chacham. All right, so first we point out an inherent contradiction in the rulings of the Mishnah. The first thing that we're saying is when the women were detected while she was in her father's house, that the, the hus- that we say that the, 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 the father has to bring a raya, that the woman came after the Kedushin. But it sounds like time of the Maizah raya, the only case where the husband would have to pay the Ksuba is if the father brings such a proof that the defect happened after the Kedushin. Hello, Maizah raya, with the absence of any raya, if it's a toss-up, we don't know if they were there at the time of the Kedushin or not. The husband is believed, so to speak, meaning we take on like his possibility that the, the woman were there at the time of the Kedushin and he's exonerated from paying the Ksuba. Says the Gemara, Mani, which Tana holds that way? Rabbi Yeshua, Dhamma, Lomi, Pia, Nuchai. It sounds like we're only going like Rabbi Yeshua, who says that we don't listen to her claim. So, what Rabbi Yeshua is, is this? So this takes us back to Dafi base. There was a case of a Chasan, his beer with his wife, and he discovers that she's not a virgin. So, the question is, what's going on? What, how does this impact the Ksuba? Her claim is that she was a virgin at the time she was betrothed. So therefore, her ksuba is the regular amount of the ksuba. Just what happened was, is that she was raped after she was betrothed. In which case, she doesn't lose anything of her ksuba, and it's tough luck on the husband. He owes her the full amount of the ksuba. Whereas the husband is saying, how do you know? Maybe, maybe you had an active bia before you were betrothed, and therefore it was a trick, right? Maybe you were raped before you ever betrothed to me, and you, 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 you presented yourself as if you were a virgin when you were not, and I don't owe you, and I don't owe you the ksuba. So this is a very interesting dispute. How do we rule in that case? So in that case, it was Machlokas between Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Yeshua said, we don't live based upon her mouth, meaning to say that we follow the husband's claim. And why is it? The reason why we follow the husband's claim is because he's holding the money currently. It's called the Cheskas Maman. The Cheskas Maman is so strong, he's holding the money that it overcomes her claim. It doesn't make a difference that she's claiming that, that, that the rape happened later. Since the money right now is in the husband's pocket, he doesn't have to pay. It would sound like that the beginning of our Mishnah is, is holding like Rabbi Yeshua. That's why we're saying that if the father doesn't bring the proof, then the husband is believed he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to pay the ksuba. What's the shot? Because the same thing, currently the husband is holding the money. So if the husband is holding the money, unless proof is brought that the, the moment came after the Kedushan, we'll, we'll, we'll assume that they were there at the time of the Kedushan as well, and the husband doesn't owe the money. But then the contradiction is, if she already entered into the domain of the husband before the detection of the, of the, of the moment, then we say the husband has to bring the proof that the defects were there for before the Kedushin. With the, implica- with the implication being, time to it sounds like it's only if the husband is able to bring the raya that 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 he gets off that he gets off the hook from paying. He has to prove that the defect was there before the kedushin. If the husband does not bring proof and it's fifty fifty, were they there at the time of the kedushin or not? We honor the father's claim that they they were there before, uh, only after the kedushin and the money is owed. So that sounds like We're not going like Rabbi Yishu anymore. It sounds like we're going like Rabbi that the woman is believed in the case when the, we're trying to figure out when did she have bia? Why is she not a virgin? And she says that she was raped after the time of the Kedushin. We believe her and she collects her Ksuba. Rabbi Gamliel believes that even though the husband is holding the money, 
he still has to pay. And what was the reason? We learned all the way back on Dafid Beis and Dafid Gimel that there's a chazaka on the woman's body. In other words, the, chaz- the principle of chazaka is that status quo. So every girl is born without the mum. So, so therefore the chazaka is that if we're not sure when the mum developed, when, when, when she lost her virginity, I'm sorry, every girl is born, born a basula. And we're trying to figure out when she lost the basula and we assume it happened later. Even though the husband currently is holding the money, we're still going to assume that the chazaka of her guf, the chazaka which is present on her body, is that the chazaka was that she was a basula, so we assume that she was a basula at the time of the Kedushin. I, now she's a baula, so we assume it must have come after the Kedushin. But when I focus on the second, the time in question, the time of the Maisa Kedushin, I say, I assume, that she's a basula, and that's why she can collect the ksula. So it must be that the end of the mission is going like Rabbi Gamliel, that's the idea. That if the, now she, she has the moment of shot detected, and the husband, she's already living with her husband, the Mishnah is saying that the husband has to bring the proof. If he doesn't, then the father is going to believe that there is a development of them after the condition. Obviously, we're talking about types of women which are developed. It's not like, you know, something you're born with. So therefore, she had the chazaka of the guf is here. We know the status quo is that she was born without the mum. The question is only when the mum came. So we will assume that the mum came later, at the time of the condition, the mum wasn't there. And that's why the husband has to bring the proof. So the question that we have in front of us it's a contradiction between one part of the Mishnah and the next. Do we say, like Rabbi Yeshua, and the, 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 the husband doesn't have to pay unless the proof is brought by the father? Or do we say we're going like Rokam Leo and the Chazak of the Guf overcomes the Chazak of the Mammon and the husband has to bring the proof? So I'm Rabbi Lazar Taver, you have to write, you're right, you have to break up the Mishnah. Mishnah Zulashan is whoever taught one part of the Mishnah didn't teach the other. Meaning there are conflicting views, it's a Machlokas. Whoever taught the Reisha, that the father has to bring the Raya, would say the father has to bring the Raya regardless of um, when the women are detected. Even if the women are only detected after she's moved in and is living with her husband, he'd say the same thing. The husband has to, the, the father has to bring the raya. That's like Rabbi Yeshua, the, the one who taught the seifa. That after she moved in, if the women are detected, then the husband has to bring the raya. He would say the same thing if the women were detected while she was still in her father's house. It doesn't make a difference. It's just a general machlokas. If I go stronger after the cheskas mamon, and therefore the husband is, is exempt unless the father brings the proof, or do I go after the cheskas hagof of the woman, and, uh, and she, and, and, if the, and, and therefore she can collect unless the husband brings the proof. Amar Rava, now the Gemara just tries to understand Rabbi Yeshua a little bit better. Rabbi Yeshua, it seems like he doesn't hold to this cheskas hakuf business. He doesn't hold that the chazak of the woman's body is so strong. So Amar Rava, Lotem Rabbi Yeshua, the chazak of the guf klaus. Not Pshari Rabbi Yeshua doesn't hold to the chazak of the guf at all. It's not Pshari, he disregards that, the power. This idea that Yeshua isn't following the chazak on her body, that's only That's only because here the chazakas mamon is opposing it, both in the case of Dafi Beis and over here. On the woman's side, she has the chazakas haguf, saying at the time of the Kedushin, she was still a basula or an archive, she, she was still not a balas mum, but opposing it. Uh, that on the husband's side is his cheskas mamon. There, Rabbi Yeshua doesn't go with the cheskas hakuf because he was the cheskas mamon is stronger. If you're not dealing with a scenario of a cheskas mamon, also Rabbi Yeshua does follow the principle of a chazak of a body to overcome any doubt. Where do we see this? It says in the Mishnah when we're talking about the laws of um, of tzaras. So if there's a white spot, there needs further confirmation, and one of the, the, the signs, for, one of the confirmations can come if there's two white hairs. So what the Mishnah tells us, not all hairs um, are makes our ass. In Baharis, called Maseh Olavan, if the Baharis was before the white hair, meaning if the spot was there. 
before the white hair came tame. Then it's tame if it's there. And say, Allah called them hairs. If there was white hair which preceded the bahars from being there, tar, it's tar. That's the halacha. The spot has to appear first, and then the white, the white hairs um, come at a later point. So what happens, Suffolk, if there's a doubt which comes first? Now we just see that there's white hair and there's a spot. We don't know which one came first. If you have a doubt which one came first, what's the rule? So if it's a doubt, Tommy, and we say Tommy, Rabbishua says, no, it's faint. What does it mean it's faint? It's faint and it's considered tar. What does that mean it's considered tar? We assume that it's like a, uh, that the, 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 the hair must have been there first and therefore we don't pronounce the person Tame. So what's the pshat? Why don't we? So the idea must be that we know that his body didn't used to have Tzaras. So it's a suffix if he has Tzaras. So the Cheskas HaGuf says you assume that the Tzaras was not there. So we see that Rabbi Shua is following the Cheskas HaGuf. So since Rabbi Shua is following Cheskas HaGuf, how come he's not following Cheskas HaGuf in our Mishnah? The idea must be because over here it's opposed by Cheskas moment. So over there when I'm talking about Tzaras, it's not a question of money. It's just a question of whether there's a din of Tzaras for the Tzaras. Tzaras. So there, everyone follows. Even Rabbi Shul would follow the principle of Cheskas HaGuf to overcome all Suffolk and say that probably if you're not sure if, there's, if the person has Saras because you're not sure if the if, if what came first, the white hair or the Baharas, you assume there's no Saras. But in any case, where, the, where, where, where there's money, there Rabbi Shul says Cheskas HaGuf cannot overcome um, Cheskas HaGuf cannot overcome the, uh, the Cheskas Mamun. Just to understand that in that case a little bit, it's interesting. We're saying that there's no tzaras because there clearly there were two switches, white hair and, 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 and the spot. It's just a question of order, which one came first. So why is there a cheskas one way stronger than the other? It sounds like we're basically applying that the cheskas is that there's no tzaras. But the breakup is the white hair and the spot, those two components, and it's just, just a suffix which one came first. So how is there more chazaka, the body, on one way versus the other? So Reb Chaim said a very long point. Reb Chaim says that there's no din of chazaka about something that doesn't have relevance to halacha. So the only halachic things do we look at chazaka. So the halachic thing in front of us is, is there a taras? Not is there a white hair or is there a change of a white spot or white hair. We look at it, is there taras? And since taras halachically is only the white spot and then the hair, so it's a suffix if there was a, a, whether or not there was taras. So the cheskas says that there's no change, there's no spot of taras which is present on the body. Okay, so until now we've been assuming that there's a contradiction between in our mission, between the ratio and the seifa, whether or not we go after the cheskas guf of the woman and the husband has to pay unless he proves that the woman that the moment were there at the time of the kedushin, or we go after the cheskas mamon and the father has to bring the proof and otherwise the husband would be potter. But it doesn't matter when the woman were detected, whether or not you detect the woman when she's in her father's house or after she moved in, that variable doesn't matter. Rava Amar, no. Really, we're all going like Rabbi Gamliel. We're all going like Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Gamliel's opinion generally is that, um, is that by the case of the, uh, is that the woman is believed to say she was raped and she can collect her ksuba. The cheskas haguf is stronger than the cheskas mamun. So if the cheskas haguf is stronger, so how come in the first part of the Mishnah we're saying seemingly otherwise that the uh, father has to bring the raya? The idea is that if there was discovered while she's still in her father's house, there's a principle that if, if they were found here, then presumably they were here all along. If they were found in this domain, very lumb de shavar, if they were found, they existed in this domain while she's in her father's house, we assume that it, it reflects that as long as she was living by her father, they were always there. So the whole point is there was a chazkas hagof on her body that was making us assume that they came later. But we're saying if they were detected while she is still living by her father, so that weakens, it undermines her chazaka. Her chazaka is that she didn't have the defect. But look, that domain is weakened. They're found in this domain, kanimsu. So if they're found here, kanhayu, we assume they were, they, were, they were there from before as well. So since we have the power of kanimsu, kanhayu, 
weakening the Chaz Kasakov, there even Rabbi Gamaliel would agree that, um, that the father has to bring the proof. If anything, in the Seifa, where it's found after she already entered the husband's domain, so that doesn't weaken the Cheskas HaGov, because if anything, we only see it by the husband's domain, and therefore her Cheskas HaGov is super strong, and it can collect away from the, uh, from, from, from the husband's Cheskas Mama. So just like in the Mishnah Dafi Beis, when Rabbi Gamliel was saying Cheskas HaGov overcome Cheskas Mama, it was a case where she was already by her husband. So we're saying Rabbi Gamliel only said it there. So too here. It's only if she's already by the husband. And then we notice the moment, then we say that the Cheskas Kof over, over, overcomes the Cheskas Mama. But in a case where the moment are noticed, when she's in her father's Roshos, we say, if anything, we assume that they were here from before as well, her Cheskas HaGov is weakened. And again, this is all pure lumdas because whether or not it's discovered while she's in her father's house or not, the, it doesn't bear any more likelihood whether or not they were there at the time of the condition. It's got nothing to do with that. It's not more probable. It's not the Vart. It's a lumdus that if it's found here in this domain, then it weakens her chazaka about the chazaka pointing in the direction that the women were not there. But if it's found in a different domain after she already moved in with her husband, so then the domain of Rosh Hashanah is not weakened. Says the Gemara, it's Abaye, Abaye Kasha from Rava. What does it say? The language of the Mishnah is not Rosh about. She entered into the domain of the husband. Right, the soon was already done. Then, what's the law about Tzarkhlebarai? The Brazim has to bring a raya. What does he have to bring a raya to? The language was, the husband has to bring a proof that the defects were there at the time before she was betrothed by Mechamechatos, and the acquisition was made in error. So it sounds like he has to prove, he has to prove that the defect was there before she was betrothed. It sounds like he has to prove that all the way back. But if he only proves that they were there after she was already betrothed, it wouldn't be sufficient. Meaning, if they're discovered now in the Rosh Hashanah, the husband does not have a proof that they were there before the condition, but he does have a proof that they were there while she was still in her father's house after the condition. It sounds like that's not good enough and he has to pay. Am I? Why? Once he's able to prove, once the husband is able to prove that the women were present at the time when she was still in her father's house, then why don't I say her domain is weakened? That should undermine the Cheskas HaGov. It should weaken the Cheskas and, and she, she should not be able to collect. So what we're asking is, why does the Mishnah say that the husband, when it's found in the domain of the husband, he has to prove that they were there from before the Kedushin? Let him just prove that they were there at the time while she was still living in her father's house. We should say, she shouldn't be able to collect. So Amalei, Rava answers, if he only brings proof that they were there after she was betrothed, then there's another reason why the husband loses. We have a, a conflicting chazaka here. As a chazaka, that a person doesn't drink from a cup unless you inspect it first. Meaning, there's, we, we would kind of assume that he's going to before he took her to the chuppah, he's going to investigate whether or not she has bodily defects. That's just the way people normally act. So before the chuppah, normally he would inspect her. So what's going on here that he is only detecting, um, only making a claim after the nesuin that, oh, she has this mum, she tricked me, I'm not paying. What's going on? Presumably before the chuppah, you checked her out. So if you notice, you, you would find it. So how come you didn't find it? Must be high ravenous by So you knew of it. You did see it before the chuppah. But you still, you were mochel. You reconciled with it. You were okay with it. So basically, if, you, if, you, if it's already post Nesuin where it is found, so then the Gemara is saying there's a conflicting Chazaka, that the assumption is that you knew about it and you were in a spy. So that's why it's not good enough uh, to bring the proof that it was there from before uh, from before the, the that, that it was there in the in the Rishus of the father, he has to bring a proof 
that it was there from before. And the idea is because there's a conflicting chazaka that if he already did not and probably he checked it out and he was okay with it. Frank the Gemara. If we're saying that everyone checks out before the chuppah and if he saw it, he must be okay with it. If, that, if there's such a chazaka, then what's it going to help him to bring a proof that... That, 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 that the mum was there before he, would, he even betrothed. At the end of the day, he did an inspection before the Nisu and he was okay with it. He was mochalit. Ella, why isn't that good enough? I mean, chazak and the mum. We have to say, yeah, but you can conflict the chazak of Einodam with another chazak, which is usually people don't reconcile themselves with mum. People aren't usually okay with mum. So if there's such an idea that there's a chazak that people aren't okay with mum, so then it's not going to be okay to say that even though the husband proved that, that the moment we're there from before, we say, oh, but you saw it and you reconciled, because no one reconciles themselves with moments. Ah, Hanami, even if the defects were observed only after the betrothal, he only brought that proof, why don't we say the same thing? Chazak and Adam but moment, people don't usually reconcile themselves with defects. So the point that basically we're saying is, there's two chazakos which are basically contradictions. A person before the Nisuin investigates her, and if he saw it, he probably reconciled himself with it. But on the other hand, we have an assumption that people don't reconcile themselves with moment. So, so we're, going, we're going in circles with this. So Rava needs an answer here. Again, we have a question Question on Rabba. Rabba is explaining the Mishnah. We're all going there. We're going Leo, but in the ratio where it's found in the ratios of the father, we say kanim su kanhayu. So now Abai is asking this question that how come when it's when it was detected by the by the husband's rishos and the husband is bringing a proof, so we say that the husband has to bring a proof that the women weren't there, that the women were there already before the kedushin. Why does he have to bring a proof that the women were there before the kedushin? Let him just bring a proof that they existed at some point when she was in the rishos ahav. We should say kanim su kanhayu. So Rav attempts a different answer. Ella, Again, we're still working with everything. We're going like Gregor and the Reisha Kanim Su But if the, the proof is only that after she was betrothed, that's not good enough. In that case, there are two Chazakas working for the woman. Number one, She has her Chazakas that at the time of the Kedushin, she didn't have the mum. Even though it's weakened, but there's a Chazakas we also have the chazaka that a person would inspect if I wrote in his bayisu. And if there is a mum, he must have known about it before the Nisuin and was reconciled. So meaning if it was first, if it was first detected after the Nisuin, so if Nisuin was done, the woman's got two things in her favor. She's got her cheskas and the chazaka that if the husband must have investigated her before, he did the chuppah and he must have been okay with it. My Amrit, what are you going to say against the chazaka and the advice of a woman? There's an opposing chazaka person who's never reconciled to defects. You're right, that's true. But there's one chazaka against two chazakas. Lo, I mean, when there's one chazaka against two, two, two wins. So therefore, if the husband only proves that the defects were observed after he betrothed her, so therefore he has to pay the ksuba. Why? Because in the, if he only proves that the, the, the women were there after the betrothal, but not before the betrothal necessarily, so it still has the cheskas hagov, that maybe the women weren't there at the time of the kedushin. And uh, the only thing hurting is that a person, a person would, uh, would, would never reconcile himself um, to a mom, but on the other hand, we have this idea a person wouldn't drink from the cup unless he inspected it. So on her, on her favor, we have two things working. First of all, the Cheskas HaGuf is saying probably the women weren't there at the time of the Kedushin. Second of all, what are we saying? That even if the women were there, the husband was probably okay with it. What's going against that? What's going against that is the one thing that a person is not befies but woman, that's a two against one. So that all works if he only proves that the women were there in the time, at some point after the betrothal. But if he has witnesses who saw the defects before she was betrothed, so there's no cheskas aguf. We know the women were there. There's no cheskas aguf. Clearly the defects were there. So then it's just a question of was the husband mochlen or not? So ma'ika, what is there going for the husband in that case? You just have the chazaka that. 
that, that, that he must have inspected it and been and been But to the contrary, the conflicting that is that a person wouldn't reconcile him with defects, and therefore, since it's a toss-up, you say 50-50, and therefore you go after the chazaka that the husband doesn't have to pay. So the point that we're saying is like this: when the defects were discovered, and the husband's after the husband didn't sue it. So now you have this chazaka that even if the women were there, it looks like he was Mephais. Um, on the other hand, you have the conflicting chazaka that, that a person usually is not Mephais with women. So then it all depends what the husband is able to prove. If the husband was able to prove that the women were there before the Kedushin even happened, so the chazakaf is irrelevant here. We know the women were there. It's simply a toss-up between the two chazakas about whether or not he'd be, be mochalit. So it's a toss-up, and we'd say that the chazakas mammon is, is going to win. But if the husband... Um, if the husband, if, if the husband only proved that that the uh, that the women were there at some time after the kedushin, but we don't know if they were there at the time of the kedushin, so then supporting the woman is not only a one-on-one because supporting the woman then is also the cheskas of that maybe there were no women there at the time of the kedushin at all. So therefore, it's going to be it's going to end up being that she's going to win. Now it's very interesting. Uh, the Rishonim are bothered is that why don't I say why is the Gemara considering it a two against one? Why isn't kan nimsu kan hayu? Um, you know, a force. Why isn't it two against two? Because even if he proves that the the, the, the women were only there at the time when she was in her father's her father's rishos, but he wasn't able to prove they were there before the kedushin. Why don't I say kanim kan fights against the chesed of and it's a, that, that that's also making it a total of a two against two? It seems from the lashon of Rashi that kanim kan is not considered a power of a chazaka. It just weakens the cheskas aguf, but the cheskas aguf is still there. So if there's a if there's conflicting chazakas and he was just able to prove that they were in the Rishos of the Father. So then we're going to say that, that the Cheskas HaGuf, uh, together with the Chazaka that, that he investigated and he was inspired, is going to overcome. So again, all of that is all after the husband betrothed her. But if the husband, the husband took her in, because then we have also the Chazaka, that ain't a dumb, um, he wouldn't be Shosef HaKos unless he was Bodegitz, what ends up being a two against one. But if the moment were developed when she's still in her father's house, so then all you have is, is, is the Cheskas HaGuf. So we say, Kenegat the Cheskas HaGuf is the Kanem Sukan Hayu, it's weaker, and then, and therefore, even Rabbi Gamliel would agree that uh, even Rabbi Gamliel would agree that that the, the, the husband has to bring the. I'm sorry. That the, therefore, even Rabbi Gamliel would agree that the father has to bring the raya.